The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thanks for joining me here on the podcast tonight. Uh, I was lucky enough to have Greg Lucas longtime Astros broadcaster on the show today. Uh, We talked about how he became a broadcaster. We talked about Mike Fires, the punishment. We discussed Luno and Hinch being fired. We discussed the players being quiet. Also, how they're going to apologize at spring training. Will they look for a manager inside or outside of the team Also, can the Astros win awards? Can they get voted to all-star teams being the bad guys? He will also give you his prediction on how far the Astros can go in 2020. And then at the end, he'll let you know how you can find one of his books. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast with Astros legend, Greg Lucas. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Astros Baseball. I'm your host, Rob Fontenot. Tonight, I have a very special guest. He's a longtime broadcaster for the Astros and an author, uh, Greg Lucas. Welcome to the show, sir. Great to be with you. Always love to deal with the topics we're going to be dealing with tonight. Well, I really do appreciate you doing this. Um, I heard you on another podcast, and I really loved everything you had to say. And I just wanted to share that with the listeners that I have. I think they would be very interested in hearing what you had to say. Well, I'll be opinionated, and that uh, that will be good. <laughs> right. I, I like the way you didn't hold back. So whatever you got to say. Uh, so first of all, uh, usually broadcasters have a very interesting story as far as their journey to becoming a broadcaster. Can you share a little bit about that, how – how you got started and you ended up being a broadcaster uh, for the Houston Astros? It's funny. uh, It started in college. I was not a broadcast major. I went to Butler University in Indianapolis. I wasn't a broadcast major, but I always kind of thought about it. One day I'm walking across the campus, and uh, in those days Butler had a – uh, an FM radio station that uh, pretty powerful. It was like 40,000 watts and covered about 50 miles. And I was walking across the campus and I happened to hear the station on and I thought, my goodness, these guys are not very good. I can do this. And so I changed my major the next year. And I fell into being able to broadcast Butler basketball and football over that same powerful station uh, for three years. Uh, when I made the move, the the, the, uh, the the major move from education to uh, radio television, they had just decided to start airing every game home and road of the team with the uh, the, uh, the station. And so uh, I fell into it the very first year and started doing all the football and all the basketball games and did that for three years before my senior year when we kind of let some other guys get in, the, the next generation. But uh, it was a great experience, and that got me started, and then eventually uh, – after the Army, uh, where I was a broadcaster, too, I uh, 
I, I started in the uh, first place was Terre Haute, Indiana. Then I went to Honolulu, Hawaii, and then Buffalo, New York. Well, no, Peoria, Illinois first, and then Buffalo, New York, and then San Antonio, and then here. And so uh, that was a, a bunch of places, but that was in those days. That's how you advanced. You had to move market to market uh, to advance, and, and uh, it worked out well for me. So is it kind of like, uh, I guess, like, about kind of be like being a manager kind of you you have a job at a, at a lower level and openings come up and you just go apply for it or or they know who you are sort of and no, they, 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 they wouldn't really know who you are you applied for them uh, certain things made me an interesting candidate for instance when i was in hawaii i worked there for three years and i worked as a, a sports caster on an all-news station and then i got to work some television and I got to work this Hawaii State tournament as a freelancer in basketball, and uh, and so I got to do some play-by-play. -play. I did play-by-play -play in in, uh, in uh, of course in the army. I did a little bit of that too when I was in Seoul, Korea, and then uh, uh, then uh, from Peoria, I. I wanted to advance markets, and there was something open in Buffalo, and I went to Buffalo, and that's really where I started baseball because they had just, again, timing was good. They were just bringing back professional baseball to Buffalo after an absence of a few years, and I was able to convince my station to do at least a limited number of games the first year, and then we added a few more the second. And then uh, San Antonio opened at WOAI, of course, the powerhouse station over there. And I became sports director there for three years. And I filled in with uh, uh, basketball with the Spurs. Uh, when the regular guy moved over to TV, I would do ra radio the first year. And then all of a sudden they started a cable channel. And a guy named Rudy Davalos and I did the uh, basketball for two years on, uh, on a cable channel. A limited number of games, I think 25 games a year. And then there was something open in San Antonio, or from San Antonio to Houston. I started out with the Rockets, worked them for three years, then worked my way into baseball again. And that was what I pretty much did until uh, till retirement after the 2012 season. All right. So that was cool. You got to work in Hawaii. Was that hard to leave or not really because you wanted to move up to a higher market? It was, uh, it was, I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted to do. I, when I went to Peoria, I became the voice of Bradley University basketball. I also did University of Illinois football on radio. And then I was a TV sports director as well doing sportscasts. So it was actually a better job. It didn't pay as much in Peoria, but it actually uh, got me back in the Midwest, which is where I'm from. Hmm. And uh, the situation in Hawaii was pretty much uh, not much chance of doing what I want to do because one particular station operation had everything under control and uh, I didn't work for them. All right. So now let's talk about the Astros some, and there's really not much to talk about. You know, they have the very high payroll, so they're not picking up any players and not making a whole lot of moves. The big news that everyone's talking about and some of the things you said about it were very interesting to me. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. So first of all, okay, so what were your initial thoughts when the Mike uh, Fire story broke? Well, it wasn't a question of whether he was telling the truth or not. It was more a question of I was surprised that he did it because it's an old adage in baseball that you, you don't do that stuff. You tell the new teams that you may be playing for what your old team was doing, but you don't make it public. And so uh, that was the thing that surprised me the most. And, of course, uh, the fact that they may have had a camera in center field looking in, 
But it's the only way they could really relay the signs to uh, the players was banging on a trash can. That seemed a little bit crude. And it's also only something you could do at, uh, at home. And maybe sometimes not even be able to hear it. So that surprised me too. But mostly the fact that it became public uh, because sign stealing, both legal and illegal, has been going on in baseball with a lot of teams for ever. Yeah, so I, I, first time I heard about it, I was thinking there's no way they were better on the road than they were at home, banging on a trash can, sounded ridiculous. And also just the fact that you have the opposing team, you have the catcher out there, the guy on first, and I just didn't believe it was happening because how did everybody not hear this? Well, that's the surprise. At first, you might think it's just accidental or incidental or whatever, but when it happens uh, repeatedly, you'd think either club would figure it out as well. But uh, apparently they they didn't, and it's opened up all this big can of worms, and the Astros are taking the brunt of the uh, criticism, and the reality is they aren't the only ones that were doing things like that. Right. So are you? I, did you read the report where it said Hinch knew about it? But his big problem was that he let it continue. Are you surprised that Hinch let that go on like that? It, it doesn't show well for him. If he if he was concerned about it enough that he actually damaged a couple of the monitors, uh, it would seem that if he's that concerned about it, then uh, you should be able to say, that's it. It's over. Stop. And he didn't do that. And so uh, that 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 shows actually a weakness to a certain extent or trying to be a good guy instead of maybe the leader that he needed to be, especially since there was a specifically worded memo that came out. We didn't hear about this memo when they first uh, heard from uh, fires, but the specifically worded memo that came out at the end of 2017, no more of this stuff. And apparently the Astros did not that. The, uh, another report came out that the Astros front office never even shared that memo with the players, so that gives the players another out. Uh, but yeah, I'm as surprised as you. I, I would, I can't. I'm surprised that the manager doesn't have the power to stop it. Either the the uh, the players were actually running things, or or maybe he just enjoyed the success that came with it. I don't know, but I just. He didn't seem like the kind of person that would let that happen, and that's another reason I didn't believe it. Well, I think uh, he, he probably let it happen because he knew that it wasn't just the Astros that did things like that, and so it was a bigger bigger story. Uh, and he probably had no idea the Astros would be singled out, uh, and they were singled out primarily because one player uh, broke the old unwritten rule about, uh, about exposing things like that. Right, so everybody's saying that Everyone's doing it. I know there was a story about the Yankees. They were trying to get an edge because they they were thinking the Red Sox were doing it. So I think everybody in the league kind of thinks everybody else is doing it. And the Astros are the one that got caught. They're the scapegoat, whatever you want to call it. And it looks bad for us. Well, it does. And, and, and But Major League Baseball itself has to take a little bit of a blame for this because it is Major League Baseball that started to allow live feed monitors close to the dugout. Uh, because when they instituted replay, they felt that it was only fair if the bench could uh, get the word rather quickly whether or not they should challenge something. And 
uh, instead of having to get on the phone and talk all the way back to the back of the building where the where the, where the cameras or, or the monitors are, they started letting them be closer to the bench. They also allowed people to have uh, iPads or the equivalent uh, on the bench. And as you know, they can be used for stats, but they can also be used for for monitors of video feeds, and uh, there was a time that that was not even allowed, and uh, and then Major League Baseball allowed it, and that sort of opened the door because clubs got smart, at least they thought they were smart, and they started using them for other things as well. And uh, so uh, Major League Baseball, uh, as an organization, is not totally clean on this. Uh, not saying that gets the Astros off the hook, because it doesn't, but uh there's more to this than what uh, is just before the uh, the public on most Facebook stories and, and tweets. Do you think there's a chance Major League Baseball will go away with all that electronics they have in the uh, dugout? I think they have to. And I think they, uh, the one change they could make the replay rule is for a club would have to immediately make the challenge. No more waiting around, holding your hand up, and waiting to get word from the back as to what, whether you're going to challenge it or not. If you don't think it's challengeable from watching it from the bench, don't challenge it. Just like in the old days, before challenges, uh, a manager might run out and scream and yell and uh, complain about a play, but that would be done instantly. Right. He wouldn't be waiting around to find out uh, what the consensus of opinion was from other people. So I, I think that's one thing, and I wouldn't mind it if it meant fewer replays, to be honest. The other thing about that also is the player involved in the play. He usually uh, signals over for them to do the replay. So I think you have that as well. The player out there kind of knows, you know, what happened, if the guy's safe or not. Well, right. And so they, they shouldn't have to wait to, to verify what he says. If they want to trust their player, go ahead and go out there and challenge the call. But uh, don't don't wait around. Don't uh, uh, And if you want to have monitors uh, on the near situation uh, make sure they've got the delay on them just like the people at home have and and therefore you can't use them to call pitches and you can't use them uh, uh, to see live action uh, in real time that's okay but not the not the stuff that you can actually use to uh, uh, relay pitches in time or or delay the game because you're waiting to see what play should be challenged or not all right, so jumping up to the punishment, uh, what are your thoughts about the punishment that the commissioner handed down to the Astros? Uh, the punishment, I, I really have no problem with, and I don't really think any of it would have hurt the Astros uh, long term, even the loss of draft picks, because you got to remember, the draft picks apparently are going to be in the next two years. Well, the Astros are not going to be picking very high uh, because they're good. And they're still going to be good for at least the next two years. Where it might hurt you is four or five years down the road. And uh, But at that point, the Astros, uh, they may hurt uh, because those players they pick the next two years are, are low. But at the same time, by the time they need high draft picks, which could be in two or three years, they'll be getting them again. So uh, I'm not worried about the picks. The $5 million in Major League Baseball terms, that's nothing. It was really the punishment handed down by the owner that was the thing that surprised me, the actual firing of the manager and the general manager. Uh, that was a surprise. Uh, and, of course, then that followed up with the Red Sox firing their manager and then the Mets firing theirs. Now, the only justice in that for the Astros is that it was apparently Cora and... Beltron that were heavily behind the operation. So 
it's okay, I guess, if they got some kind of punishment. But I, I hate for Belton to lose his first ch chance to be a major league manager because uh, you never know if a second one's going to come. Okay, so you kind of jumped to my next question, but that's fine. So after the punishment was like 40 minutes later, 42 minutes later, uh, Crane fired Hinch and Luno. Now, I totally agree 100% with the firing of Hinch. Because I, I mean, if I'm the owner, I don't want someone in my dugout allowing this to happen or someone that doesn't have control of his team. But the thing about the general manager, I mean, did he really know what was going on? Is it, is it too well, much of a I punishment think, to, to let think. him go? Or was it just, uh, I think I heard you on your podcast with Houston Sports Talk that maybe it might have been an excuse for him? It could have been, although I think with this organization, the general manager knows what's going on. Uh, this Because this is such an analytical, non-baseball guy-run organization, the general manager knew what was going on, and uh, and he's the ultimate boss. Plus, there were some other things that came up. The, the memo that came out from uh, one of the uh, uh, people on the baseball staff for firing guys or wanting the, the scouts to make sure they got video cameras so they can take a look into the dugout and steal signs. And that, that came from the, that came from the baseball operations people. So I'm not really surprised because of that. That's true. Okay. So as far, I know Luno made a statement, Hinch made a statement, but so far the players have been quiet and that's kind of what I expected, but they're getting a lot of heat from social media and the fans are out there defending these guys, but they're, they're continuing to be quiet. Is that kind of what you expected to happen? Well, yes. And I think it's only fair. Now, the reason why it's only fair, and this is why I'm totally against this concept that the owner has put out that in spring training, we're all going to apologize. I think that's wrong because first of all, that is making it, that is basically putting every player on that team as a guilty party. And I can guarantee you not every player, every hitter on that team even used that information if there was such a thing. There are many hitters that don't want any of that so-called help, including the guys on second base, the legal stuff where the guy on second base is trying to signal signs. They don't want it because all it takes is any indecision, and their swing has been slowed, slowed enough that they're dead and that at bat. But even worse, if the other team does what, as Larry Durker points out, uh, at any of the Sabre meetings we have, changes their signs, which is so simple, they could change them after every pitch if they wanted to and wouldn't get confused, uh, then the whole system doesn't work. And uh, so uh, a hitter at the plate doesn't want to worry about that. He'd, he'd rather be looking for the pitch and really concentrating on the pitch than having a whole bunch of other stuff going through his mind. So the point I'm saying is that concept may have been started to help, ironically, two players who joined the Astros from the New York Yankees a previous year, Beltron and McCann, because their bats by that time had slowed down a lot. And the only way a guy with a slow bat has a chance is to cheat and start that swing a little early. And if he doesn't, if he has an idea of when he's going to get a fastball, he's got a better chance. And so I, I think that uh, uh, making all the players guilty and having to apologize for what happened is wrong because it's it's basically saying we all did it, they all didn't do it. Right. So going on the players being quiet, 
Uh, FanFest. Fan tells oh. them not to talk. I honestly, I'm not always in favor of the players' union, but in this case, I'm hoping they will instruct the Astro players just to keep their mouth shut. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming happened. I mean, that, that's what all the Astro fans on social media say. It, you know, they're complaining that they're not apologizing, that they don't have anything to say, and that they have no comment. But all of us are defending them, saying they're, they've probably been told not to say anything. Uh, so, so also, I want to use an example. Let us say, if 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 some of the older guys or the guys that are gone said, "Yeah, I used it," you know, I I use it. They're gone. You know, Beltron's gone. Players, McCann's now gone. What if they said they used it? Okay, fine. But what if a player like uh, Altuve does? He might be cooked at making the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he might be cooked. For one season of using something, uh, some some stuff, and admitting that he did it, and that, and I'm not saying he did, because maybe he didn't. Same thing with Bert uh, Bregman or anybody else. They're cooked. Right now, let the people wonder. Fact is, it's over now. So let the people wonder. And if Bregman and all two, they have great years. Well, they had great years in last year, and this wasn't going on supposedly. So they prove they're hitters and they're great players. Right, but. Don't go back to talking about something that was two years ago when you don't have to. You don't. So do you think their idea of having the team apologize as a team is just making it seem more like a formality and not having one person admit, like, yeah, I did it? Well, it, it's a formality, and, it, it's, and as I say, but it, 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 it puts a black mark on everybody. Because and and that's a, that's like saying yes, we the Astros, we all used it, and they didn't. That's my point. They didn't. Not right. every player on that team would have paid any attention to that stuff, and uh, so uh, it is unfair. It, it puts everyone in, the, in a in a black mark in a corner, and it's just not necessary. I, I'm afraid uh, Mr. Crane just kind of ad libbed something at the. Uh, the banquet the other night that uh, kind of is in the category of some of Donald Trump's tweets. He just said something <laughs> before it really went through, and uh, and that's uh, and I, as I say, I think the the, the uh, union and, and each player's agent is. In fact, Boris has already said he thinks it's a dumb idea, and uh, I think the players' association is going to uh, say the same thing and tell the players they have no obligation to say anything. Yeah, I mean, as as far as I can follow what goes on i've i've heard jim crane say some stuff he probably shouldn't have said that uh luno and hinch probably wishes he wouldn't have said but the i guess i'll call it a gag order whatever you want to call it how the the, the guys aren't talking i think this led to like a pretty poor showing for fan fest bregman and altuve were the only two like superstar guys there a lot of the other guys didn't show up uh, the caravan, they usually come here to San Antonio. They didn't come. The ones that they did, it was like Cy Sneed and people like that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really any big name guys. So I think what's going on now has even affected the fans in that way, you know, as far as enjoying Fan Fest and the caravan. Well, I think the timing for that was, was bad. But I mean, some of, the, some of those guys were booked in advance. And as you know, all personal appearances rarely have the main star players. It's, uh, you know, the guys are going to go 
sign autographs at Whataburger or something, it's usually going to be a middle reliever and a, uh, a rookie. Uh, that's you don't see the Altuve's and the Bregmans making uh, big appearances at, uh, at some of the uh, some of the appearances that the other players get. Uh, but yeah, for Fan Fest, you normally would like to have a uh, a good representative uh, group, and they had they had a couple. I mean, Bregman and Altuve are good, but I don't know. I don't really understand what the fans. Maybe the other media really expected. They expected all of a sudden Bregman to come on and said, "Yeah, I uh, I had an advantage several times because I heard that drum and I thought that uh, I knew that was going to be a home, you know, pitch I could hit and handle." And uh, but uh, you know, no, they're just not going to do it, and they shouldn't do it. Uh, it's it's over, and it's uh, it either makes you look good or bad, and you're better off letting people guess, right? Unless there's proof, then you got to tell the truth if there's proof. Okay, so all right, so let's go back to the managerial position for the Astros. Uh, they lost their manager, the Red Sox lost their manager, and the Mets all due to this. So recently, the Mets have hired someone, and they hired from within. Do you think the Astros should hire someone within, or get someone outside of the organization to kind of like make a better face? You know, like it's not someone from the organization now or someone that was involved in the cheating years? You know, well, if in fact they were clean last year, then there's no reason why Joe Espada could not be a candidate because he was not here in 2017 and uh, 18, uh, 2017. And uh, if they were clean the last two years, then he, he would be a solid candidate because he was interviewed for a managerial position with other clubs. And I'm, I'm sure he's one of the people they are considering as a finalist. Right. But they're doing so many interviews with uh, so many more experienced managers, it makes one wonder if uh, that's the direction they want to go. And uh, he, might be, uh, uh, he might be retained as the, uh, the bench coach, but uh, he may have to go through the route next year of interviewing with other people for a job uh, as a manager because uh, they, they are afraid to... Uh, uh, go with somebody who was here. I don't know what their thinking is, but I, I think uh, they have someone who, because he was highly prized and has been interviewed for the job with other clubs, uh, and he was here, so he knows the players, that would be a good candidate. But I think uh, the, what you suggested is the problem. He was connected uh, with the organization, although not in 2017 when all these charges are being made. So I, I, I think it's sort of up in the air because they're, they're certainly doing a good job of talking to a lot of different people. Yeah, kind of what I meant is they were they were admitted that they cheated in 17. 18 and 19, they were clean. He wasn't there in 17, so he doesn't have anything to do with it. But I kind of, you know, like I'm just saying like the perception, they don't want to put out that perception to the rest of the league just in case they're good, they're like, oh, I wonder what they're doing now. Just kind of the way I figured that's why the Mets didn't want to be associated with uh, Beltron, even though he didn't even get in trouble. Well, but he was mentioned. He was mentioned in the nine-page report. He and, he and Cora both got right. mentioned. Because in fact, uh, even the the implication was that it was uh, Beltron who's the one really came up with the plan. Now, the, 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 now, if you want to be a cynic, you say, well, wait a minute. Did he just come out of that plan out of nowhere? Or had that plan been operated by the Yankees the year before? You know, Beltron was there the year before. Right. I mean, and, you know, they were 
involved in some stuff in 2017 earlier in the year with the eye the eye watches or the apple watches or whatever and the red sox so you know it gets to be a bigger mess but uh, yeah he uh, he unfortunately because of the publicity uh the, the mets didn't want to touch him after hiring him and, and of course Cora uh, was the the guy who made sure it happened and uh, so they both and he may have been using it with the Red Sox last year. They didn't have an investigation on the Red Sox, but uh, we don't know for sure. Or two years ago, I should say. Right. Okay, so I wanted to go. I didn't have this one written down, but I just thought about it. It's mm-hmm. something that I've been asked by the listeners of the podcast, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, why do you think Nolan Ryan left? Do you think he only left because his son got demoted from president? Or do you think it's all the negativity that's hitting the organization right now? Why do you think he left? Well, yeah, he, he, uh, uh, no one really knows for sure except him. Uh, at first, everyone was presuming because it was right as, as, as Reed was uh, moved into another job. It was right when he was moved that he decided he wasn't going to uh, uh, come back with the club in a capacity. And yet his contract ran longer and he, he wouldn't have had to have done it made the announcement at that point. So the suspicion is, even though Reed seems to be handling the change all right from everyone I know that has talked to him, uh, and he actually is still doing some things for the club, it's not just one of those, you know, we'll name your consultant and then you do that till your contract's up. It seems like he actually is doing some stuff for the club. So uh, he seems to be handling it okay, but uh, Nolan may have either just figured it was time. He was 73, I guess, and... Yeah. Uh, been traveling back and forth a lot, uh, and maybe he, uh, he figured, okay, well, Reed's no longer going to have this job anymore. I don't need to have this job anymore. No one knows for sure. I'm sure it had some relationship, certainly the timing of it had some relationship with Reed uh, being uh, replaced. Yeah, I was able to explain the Reed situation. It was Jim Crane said that the league demanded, or however you want to word it, that he has a uh, plan to turn the team over to someone in his family. So he had to bring his son up and teach him the family business, if that's what you want to call it. So. I, and I don't have any problem with that. Uh, he didn't have to make him president. Uh, right. Jim Crane has never been president. Uh, Jim Crane just had money. Uh, he could have been any position, he, and he could have been learning from Reed. He could have been learning from baseball operations and still had a position. Uh, he didn't have to be president. So that's... Uh, that's uh, sort of suspect. Uh, I understand the in, the uh, inheritance situation. They wanted to have somebody ready to go. But he didn't have to be president, uh, at least not not right off the bat in his first job. Right. He could have been uh, executive, senior executive for administration or something. They could have named him anything. And the reality would it would have been uh, a period of learning the job. What the, where the Astros are going to be really hurting though is they have no public relations face of the face for the fans now. Uh, you know, Drayton McLean was excellent at that. Uh, Jim Crane that doesn't fit his style, but it fit Reed, and Reed was excellent uh, in relating with the fans. And uh, and now they have no one like that, so that that'll hurt him a little bit. Yeah, I think that was a bad move myself. Uh, do you think? Uh, they would offer Reed the GM job? Well, we, we've, we've thought about that. Uh, and I think he could do it even though he wasn't working as a general manager. He certainly knows all the things that have to be done because 
in his role as business uh, head of head of business, he had to have a, a hand on all the money that was being spent and all that sort of stuff. So I don't think they'll do it, but I I, I don't think it's uh, it would be a bad idea at all. Hmm. All right. So now let's talk about the players going into next season. Uh, the Astros, you know, kind of have a black mark on them. They're going to be under a microscope in the following season. They're probably most hated team in baseball right now. Uh, so let's say that Altuve or Bregman or maybe even Springer and Correa, one of them guys, let's say they have this amazing season, an MVP-type season. And an, the MVP is a vote, right? Do you think that these guys have a shot at that? Oh yeah, I think the voters will, will take it as you know one season and and know that nothing's going on during this past season. You know, you got to remember, 2017 is the year they're accused of this. Until they'd already won two batting titles before 2017, and that was his third that year, but uh, he'd already won two. Uh, you have a number of those players that actually hit better uh, on the uh, road than they did at home, where they supposedly were getting the extra help. And as I say, time will time will forget. Fans won't. The other fans will be using. Uh, you won't imagine how many people are going to try to walk into ballparks bringing uh, trash cans right. from the Astros, but that and you know, and and something to beat on them with. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be trying to do that. There'll be some teams that maybe have trash can giveaway night uh, <laughs> when the Astros are in town. It'll happen. But uh, if the Astros are uh, as uh, competitive as I think they are, that's not going to bother them. And in fact, if anything, it might uh, give them a little a little boost. Uh, the, the adrenaline might flow a little better on some of those road games when uh, when they're here and stuff. So the... Uh... Like I said earlier, I, I defend the Astros on social media quite a bit. And when they talk about the Astros' home and road splits, how successful they were uh, in the uh, playoffs at home, how great they did, I just point out the fact, this is one thing I point out to them. You look at the 2017 ALCS, the Yankees uh, won, they uh, scored 19 runs. And there are three games at home, and they scored three runs in the four games on the road at Minute Maid Park. So those are. Oh the yeah, well, that, I mean that's it. If, if they were getting any advantage themselves, uh, the Astros' pitching just took care of them, and it, it didn't really matter. Uh, you know, last year's World Series. I mean, nothing was going on during last year's World Series, obviously, because yeah. neither team won a home game. Right. I mean, that's that's unheard of, and neither team won a home game. Having the home courted uh, home field advantage was a disadvantage because you had to play four games at home instead of three. You had a chance to win, lose all four, which is what the Astros did. So, it's this whole issue is uh, is getting heavy play, and all these people wanting forfeits and asterisks and all that stuff. And, and that's totally ridiculous. First of all, it's not going to happen. It's totally ridiculous because again, the Astros are the ones that were caught. They were the they were the car on the on the highway that was going seventy seven in a sixty zone, even though two minutes before guys were zooming past them. They're the ones who got caught, right. and that's exactly what it was. Not not every team, not to to say that all teams are doing things uh, questionable is wrong, but to say that the Astros were the only ones doing it is even worse as far as being wrong. So, uh, you know, they just are the ones that got caught, that's all. Yeah, it's like you said earlier, Beltron 
and Cora brought that here. So they had to have been doing it somewhere else before, and then they had to have taken it with them. So it's not a Houston thing. It's a, it's a league-wide thing, but no one believes it. Everybody just thinks it's the Astros, and they think it was every year. They think we cheated last year, even though I say we didn't, even though there's no proof we didn't. It, you still have to hear it from everybody that we're cheaters. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. You're going to hear it, but don't, you know, because they have a reason to do it because right. it was shown that they did. But, uh, you know, it's not just suspicion. I, I agree. Uh, but, again, even the Red Sox in 2018, where did they win the World Series? On the road. They won it in Dodger Stadium again. So it, if there is an advantage, it's certainly not as great an advantage as people are, like to make it out to be. And uh, so there you go. You still got to hit the ball. These pitchers still throw 95 or above. And even if you know it's coming, uh, you still may not hit it. And so it's, uh, it, it's, it's not like batting practice where they're throwing 65 and right down the middle. Uh, they're still throwing very hard, or they still got sliders that break a great deal. Right. And even if you know what some of these pitches are, there's still no sense in hitting them square. So uh, can give you advantage? Can. But does it always? No, absolutely not. Yeah, my wife was sharing a story with me earlier about uh, they compared it to the home run derby. Like the, they're just throwing it right in the middle, right to you. You know what's coming, and you're still not hitting a home run every time. You, you no curveballs, no off-speed pitches, uh, no 95 mile hour fastballs. No, I mean they, you, you, even if you have that kind of pitching, you're going to make outs. So, right. so a lot of people are uh, going back to that Chapman at bat for Altuve when they uh, clinched the uh, American League title. And you try to explain to people, he threw the first two fastballs like 100 miles an hour, and they were way high, and they were way outside, and they just, they're... Not a good slider, but it was a strike. And it, the, the next pitch was almost exactly the same pitch. It wasn't a good slider either. And it would have been a strike, except all two they hit it. So, no, I, I think that's probably your best example. If you just tell people, it's not that... He knew what was coming from Chapman because uh, Chapman's a fastball guy. If you're going to sit on one pitch, you sit on a fastball. But you, if he if he can't throw it for a strike, you kind of put it out of your mind for a while. And then you, then he throws a strike. And what's he throw it with? He throws it with a slider. So what's he got confidence with right now? The slider. Altuve hits a slider. I mean, that's uh, that's like the bad days of uh, Brad Lidge. Remember, he had two pitches. He had a fastball and a slider. When he was throwing both of them for strikes, nobody could touch him. But when the, in his years with the Astros, toward the end, when he went bad, almost every time he pitched, one of those pitches wasn't going in the strike zone. And therefore, the hitters only got to pay attention to the other one. And that's when he started to go bad. And uh, and that's uh, that's basically what hitting's all about. That, yeah, that's exactly the way I I, I think about it. Uh, I don't even think most of these guys that are trying to be keyboard warriors against the Astros even watch the game. And I try to explain to him that he couldn't get the fastball over. That's why he was sitting on the breaking ball. I mean, so. And they weren't even close. It's not like he just missed. Yeah. Those two balls were way off the plate. Yeah, yeah. I agree. He didn't want to throw a third ball. To Altuve, he didn't want the count to go three and one in uh, in Altuve's favor. He didn't want Altuve to have a three-one count, so he throws the pitch that he knows he can get over the plate. 
or at least he's pretty sure he can get over the plate. And he did. He got over the plate, but it was high and hanging and not <laughs> yeah. in a good place. Right. So going back to the Astros uh, being villains and not having a bunch of fans outside of Houston, I already asked you about the MVP. Do you think it'll affect them making uh, the all-star team since those are fan votes? It shouldn't only be uh, – well, no, that, that's the problem. The fan vote is the problem because, uh, you know, fans are prejudiced. Fans, fans, fans – even Astro fans, got to be honest, they uh, they see things a little bit differently than what uh, you'd call uh, objective. Right. And uh, there'll be a lot of less objective fans, uh, at least this year. And so, yeah, it probably could hurt. Uh, it could probably hurt uh, some guys in the all-star voting uh, if, if it's close. Uh, but the club should be so good that the Astros will still get a good number of players, even if they have to be the guys that are named by the manager. Uh, before the game is played, they still should have a good number of representatives. Right. Also, the mostly the most of the votes come from your team anyway, your own fans. So, uh, let me see. So Altuve on Altuve though in his in his heyday has gotten fans. All, you know, he's had one of the top vote counts in in the league. So uh, he was one that. Uh, uh, could be hurt as much as anybody because uh, uh, he's on the Astros and this happened. So one of the latest tweets that I read was Whit Merrifield from the Royals after the uh, Altuve supposedly wearing a buzzer against Chapman. He was saying that he should be the the MVP or he should have made the all-star team. I think that's what he was saying. uh, That was started the, the first time I saw that in print. It was printed by the so-called, what is it, cousin of Jose uh, Beltran or something. Yeah. Well, that that was broad. That was not a. That's that's another one of your your email, your internet fakes. I mean, that whole thing was. First of all, uh, this so-called insider relative of uh, Beltran seemed to not realize that Beltran was only with the team for one year, and uh, to accuse him of something two years later, how would he know? Yeah. And, and secondly, that has been proven to absolutely be not true. That that was just not that was just fake. That was just that's like the stuff we're getting on internet, uh, Twitter, and Facebook all the time now. You have to be a little more perceptive. And and of course, uh, the the people who like to complain and like to uh, be controversial, they're going to take it and run with it. Even even on a major news reports, they won't they won't say that it's true, but they'll say it has been reported that. Yeah. What? From some fake source? That's like uh, using the National Enquirer as the source for news, and, and it's getting almost to be that now uh, in real news. And uh, it used to be that we all laughed at those headlines when we were in the supermarket, and now they're showing up on uh, NBC and ABC and newspaper headlines because they hide behind the fact that it has been reported. Well, that doesn't tell me anything. Uh, I want to know who's reported it, not somebody who said they were Beltron's second cousin. You know, that's that's ridiculous. They did that here in San Antonio when that happened. The news guy said, oh, the Astros are in trouble again. And I was like, yeah. That poor reporting. In the old days, and old days are when I was in the news type business, and sports news, you didn't report it. If you thought there might be something to it, you researched it. You tried to inquire. You tra- you held it. It's like uh, it's like back in the days. And this was dating me, of course. But in the days of Watergate, Bernstein and uh, and Woodruff didn't report anything 
until they'd had several real sources. Right. They didn't report rumors that some other newspaper had it. And, 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 but those days are gone, and we have to just admit it because uh, it is so easy to hide behind uh, uh, on Twitter or Facebook, and who knows who it is that's really writing. Plus, we have all these fake uh, sites already, too, so it's really very difficult to know what's true. So how far do you have the Astros going this year? Uh, barring injuries, and I'm mainly talking about injuries to the key guys, the first, the top three starters, and uh, and all the guys who are regulars and on on def- you know the defensive regulars, the, the field guys. If they if they can get away from having any significant injuries, they can go right back to the World Series again. Uh, but uh, injuries could derail them because they aren't going to be quite as deep. Certainly, they don't appear to be as deep in the pitching staff. Uh, they have enough pitchers if they're not hurt, and they have some guys with good arms, the young guys, but uh, they just can't afford to uh, have much of, of a problem in the uh, with the guys that they're counting on. And that includes Correa at shortstop because, you know, they've, uh, they, they, they can't really play. If they move Bregman, they drop off defensively because he's not as good a shortstop defensively as Correa. They were fine when they had uh, Marwin all those years right. uh, because, he was as good as anybody at shortstop or second base or left field or first base. I mean, he could really play him. Diaz can't really play shortstop well, and so they of the guys they have now, they have to move Bregman because he, he is better than anybody else they've got as a backup shortstop. But he really is not as good a shortstop as, uh, as Correa, and he's better as a third baseman. So what I'm getting at is they just can't afford to have uh, significant injuries to their main regular players because uh, that, that will hurt them a lot. All right, so do you have anything to add about the uh, 2020 season for the Astros? No, I think that I think there's some teams in the division uh, that will be good. This, this will not be a walkover division. I mean, it, I think uh, if they win 95 uh, to 100 games, they'll be fine. Uh, expecting them to win 107 again, well, that's, a, that's a team record, and that's also, uh, you know, that, that's asking a lot. Uh, but... If they can win ninety-five to hundred, they will they will win the division again. And even if they don't win it, they'll be in the postseason. And with the makeup of this team as it is now, if they're healthy, uh, they can win the whole thing. They they have a chance to go to the World Series again. Yeah, I think it'll be a tighter race this year. Uh, the Angels have improved, uh, but they didn't really improve their pitching that much. Uh, the Rangers have improved their lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think every team in the West has uh, has improved because you know I know Astro fans say, "Well, we've we done well." They don't have to really improve; they just have to stay in the general area they already are because they they say they won 107 games. Now they they're losing Cole, but they've got McCullers back. Now McCullers isn't Cole, but McCullers, if he is healthy, is a solid starting pitcher. Right, and uh, so. It's a question of how Urquidy does. Urquidy earned a spot last year, and he, he was a very impressive. And then who they finally figure out will pitch at number five. They have some candidates, and uh, and, and from within the house, within the within the uh, within the system, they have some, some that were here and playing in different roles last year. Uh, so no, they've got some guys. I'm I'm really I'm positive, and I think maybe they'll do. Uh, they'll be showing a lot of people. Uh, especially if they're getting all that static on the road, I think they'll be up to it. They didn't going to make them whimper and give up. They're going to just uh, be more determined than ever. Yeah, I think they'll be all right. That's one thing I always 
uh, report on my podcast is that don't worry about the Astros making a lot of moves because they don't really need to. They're stacked in the infield. They got uh, all-star starters in the outfield. They got two Cy Young Award pitchers. Uh, I thought of one thing that I wanted to ask you real quick, and it's just a, it's not going to be a very long answer, but do you think that uh, one of the reasons they picked up Maldonado besides his defense is the fact that he was Garrett Cole's personal catcher last year or that he had the most success with Maldonado? Well, it keeps him away from the Yankees, and the Yankees uh, are, are going to have some problem with their catcher because uh, he's not a good defensive catcher at all. And Cole, uh, when he's in that big slider, uh, he can be hard to handle. Uh, so that that's true. That keeps keeps him away from there. But I think uh, they really got him more than anything else because they really needed an experienced catcher, period. And uh, uh, they, uh, they got one back. That's the one area, uh, as you know, that this franchise right now is in its golden era. But they don't have, uh, I mean, Osmus was the best overall catcher they've had in the franchise. Uh, 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 Ashby was a better hitter, but wasn't nearly the defensive catcher or, or, or game that, uh, that Osmus was. But that's it. And we're not talking about either one of them as Hall of Fame candidates. I mean, this, this has not been a strong position for the Astros uh, in his, historically, and it still won't be. So they basically, and the system is not helping because they don't really have outstanding catching prospects in the system either. So it's not going to be one of their strong points for a while. So uh, uh, Maldonado was absolute. they had to get at least one of those guys back, and Maldonado was the younger of the two, and so uh, that was a good move. Okay, lastly, you, uh, if you want to, you can tell everybody where to find you on Twitter, and also, you've written three books. Would you like to share anything about the books that you've written? Well, I'll talk about the last two. The first one uh, was written uh, after I had uh, my career with Fox ended, when Fox ended in uh, in Houston. And it was a collection of a lot of things we talked about in the air over the years and, and on pregame shows. It's uh, Baseball, it's more than just a game. I don't think you can find that anywhere except maybe on Amazon. But the other two were uh, written, uh, and they are specifically Astro books. And the first one was uh, Houston to Cooperstown. That basically is the story of Vigil and Bagwell, the Astros' first two Hall of Famers, but it also traces the franchise and what was going on when they were coming up and, and all of that sort of stuff. And that's available, I know, at Barnes & Noble in the Houston area. And, of course, any Barnes & Noble can order it uh, if they don't have it in stock. And the other book was uh, um, the, the Astro Legends. And that basically has 103 stories about great moments, great players, great incidents, uh, that happened in the history of the franchise, starting with the Cold 45s through the 2018 season. And that also is available at Barnes & Nobles in the Houston area. But again, any Barnes & Noble, you can order any book through them or Amazon or even the publisher, brpressbooks.com. That's Blue River Press, brbookspress.com. They can all be ordered. Uh, the last two can be ordered through both of those places. And the first one, Maybe you can find it on the, on the, but they, they've all been well received. They aren't giant sellers. Sports books aren't. So I'm not exactly, uh, retiring on the in the income from books, but I, I had fun researching them and writing them. And I thank you for asking me about them. All right, sir. Well, I, I really, really appreciate you doing this. And, uh, it was a lot of fun having you on the show. 
Well, it was always uh, fun for me to be on, and anytime during the season or something, want to give me a call, I'd be glad to talk again. And I, of course, I see you on uh, online quite frequently, so I know you're you're really pushing for the Astros to have a good year, and so are all of us. Okay, sir, I'll take you up on that. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.